Oh, as we come into the time of the word again, I just want to invite you to, to hear and to listen. I want to invite you to, as we're in the word, let it change you. The word of God is meant to do so. We are the most overwhelmed, busy, and tired generations that have ever been, according to some scholars and researchers and studiers. Despite the fact that we have incredible technology, modern improvements, handy gadgets, we are so busy, so overwhelmed by so much. Many of us, maybe most of us, suffer in some way from chronic fatigue, tiredness, and I dare say a sense of being overwhelmed by life and by life's demands. Anybody? Yeah. As you and I experience that, I would like to remind us that no matter how overwhelmed we've been, how busy we have found ourselves, how tired, how exhausted, how overwhelmed by the things of the world around us, Jesus himself experienced far more than any of us will have ever experienced. And for that reason, we look to Scripture, especially as we think about our own need and say, Lord, what do we do about this? What do we do about the busyness, the tiredness, the exhaustion, the sense of being overwhelmed? As we come into today's passage, I want to remind us so far, some of you have been here all the way through, but some of you haven't necessarily been. I want to remind you of where we are in the book of Mark. We're still in Mark chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 35 through 39 today, but what we've seen over the last few weeks, starting in verse 14, we saw Jesus begin his ministry. Verse 16, he calls his first disciples, and just as a point of reference, at best one week, probably two or three days has passed from the moment of his calling his first disciples to where we're going to be today. Jesus calls his first disciples, Simon and Andrew, the brothers, fishing. He then calls James, son of Zebedee, and John, also fishermen. They are the first to be invited to be his disciples. It tells us in verses 21 through 28 that right after that, so within a day, two days, who knows, uh, they went into Capernaum where they already were, essentially, and they went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and on that day Jesus teaches in such a way that everybody is wondering how he has the authority to do so. He follows that up with the first recorded exorcism. After that, we read in verses 29 through 32 that Jesus goes to Peter's house, Simon. He goes to his house where they find Peter's mother-in-law sick. Jesus heals her invites her to rise, she begins serving them, and it's sundown, we're told, verses 32 through 34, that they, they being everybody in the community, brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city had gathered at the door. This is where we're going to pick up our passage. Remember, one, two, maybe three days has passed since the calling of Simon, to the teaching in the synagogue, to what we see at sundown on the Sabbath, Jesus healing many and exercising many demons. 
We don't know what that means. But we can imagine that that meant Jesus' ministry that night began sometime between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. that night, depending on the time of year. Did he heal 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, 100 people? We don't know. But let me just imagine with you that many hours have passed since the beginning of the sundown and the arrival of all of these people showing up with their burdens and their needs, needing Jesus to move and to act. It would not be hard to imagine that Jesus goes to bed that night sometime between, I don't know, 2 and 3 in the morning. And that's where our message begins today, verse 35. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, quick stop, just so we have our context. Jesus heads out early in the morning while it is still dark. Now, even if you say and assume that Jesus went to bed at 10, 11, or 12 at night, he's getting up to go while it's still dark. So we're talking about a handful of hours after the busiest day of ministry he's ever had. Verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him, so that would be Simon, his brother, the other fishermen, anybody else who has begun to gather, those who were searching for him, they found him and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now, I want to say with a little bit of grace here that all of us have been in the place Jesus finds himself in this moment. Now, I don't mean that I assume all of us have spent an evening healing people and casting out demons, though maybe one or two of us have. What I mean by that is that all of us, in one way or another, has found ourselves in a place or a situation, a season, or maybe just all of life, where the pressures and outside demands, the needs, the wants of the world and of those we love are pressing in. Moms and dads, you've got work, taking care of the house, keeping small humans alive, even when they are doing their best to thwart your efforts at keeping them alive. You find finally a bit of routine, a pattern, a schedule, and then what happens? Something else comes along and breaks the whole thing. Perhaps potato harvest came a week too early or lasted a week too late for the energy that you had this year. Perhaps you're a teenager and you've got school and you've got parents and you've got Friends pushing in various directions. You've got social media to manage, as important as that is. And suddenly something unforeseen happens. Seniors living on a tight income. Bills are increasing. Energy is failing. Your kids and your grandkids are struggling. Therefore, you're struggling and worrying. And suddenly the world changes again in some drastic way. How much change have you seen? You might be thinking, I can barely handle my stuff, let alone my family's stuff, and then add to that the fact that many of you also want to be engaged in church and know that you need to in some way be loving the community, the people around you, your neighbors, your co-workers. 
Man, there's so much, right? Now, I didn't come here to stress you out today. So I want you to take a deep breath because what we want to do today is dive in and see what happens when Jesus faces all of the pressures of this world and yet comes out of it, what, being Jesus, being healthy and solid. We want to say that what we want to see today is what Jesus does when the demands of life, what we all go through, in the ministry, what we're all called to, outweigh the amount of time and energy that we have. So I want to begin in verse 35. Tells us, Mark tells us, in rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. I want to point out to us first how deliberate this is of Jesus. First of all, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus doesn't have an alarm clock, friends. He's maybe slept half the night, and yet he still manages to wake up while it's still dark. It tells us that he departs, right? He doesn't stay in his bed being comfy under the blankets or whatever that would look like for him in that moment. But he goes out, it tells us, to a desolate place, and there he prayed. This is an action of the Lord. This is what he does when the pressures are coming in, when the ministry is overwhelming, when the people just keep coming. What we see Jesus do in a moment when I think every one of us would probably prioritize sleep and physical rest is that Jesus goes and deliberately sets out to pray. He deliberately goes out to spend time with his father, to hear from his father, and to speak to his father. Jesus was more interested in spending time with his father than sleeping, and I imagine in this moment, eating. Perhaps Jesus actually believed that man cannot live on bread alone. Church, we need to be reminded of, of a truth of Scripture, a truth of Jesus, and that is that he had the same limitations that we do. Jesus had the same limitations that we do. His divinity did not overwhelm his humanity. And what that means is that Jesus needed to sleep and he needed to eat and he needed to drink water the same way that we do. When he had a big and exhausting day, his eyes began to shut the same way ours do. You can imagine his tongue begins to get confused even in the middle of the night when he's speaking for too long. I know I do for like four minutes up here. Jesus' divinity did not overwhelm his humanity. He was fully God and fully man, and that means that he had the same limitations that we do. On this morning, after he spent all night healing people and praying over them and speaking with them, you can imagine how tired he would be. Now think about that as an introvert, <laughs> as someone who gains energy from being alone. And by the way, that is true of me. I, I fake being an extrovert really well as a pastor. 
Because on Sunday morning for about an hour and a half, one can do that. But church, Jesus is there, and whether he's an introvert or an extrovert, that's a whole other question. He's had a big night, he is tired, and yet what does he do? He prioritizes prayer. He prioritizes that over sleep. And when we think about that, it's a reminder to us that you and I are people who need. We need food, we need sleep, we need rest, right? We need drink to survive. Well, Jesus needed all of those things, and he prioritized prayer. What does that tell us about us? That we, too, need prayer. We, too, need time devoted to speaking with and hearing from the Father. Now, the hard thing, and I I see this as a pastor, you know, he goes out, he gets his quiet time, and even before he's done with that, what happens? An interruption shows up. Right, verse 36 through 37, here's what it says. It says, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. How often, when you're seeking after the Lord, does an interruption come? How often, parents, does a kid come and need something, want something? Grandparents, how often does a grandkid need something, want something? How often are you in prayer with the Lord and your phone rings and your your Apple Watch or whatever else it is buzzes on your wrist and you can't do anything but look at it and figure out what's going on? The disciples show up. They have news. The crowds have regathered and they're looking for him. They want him. They need him. And so does everyone else. We appreciate that, right? I mean, how much do we need Jesus? How much do we know we need Jesus? And so we go seeking after him and searching for him. Like I said, every mom and every good dad knows exactly what this is like, that moment that you need to be needed. Every boss whose employees cannot function without you knows what this is like. Every employee whose boss cannot function without you knows what this is like. Right? Any of us who have ever been needed knows what this is like. And the amazing thing that I I see in this, that we should see in this, is that in the midst of overwhelming needs and wants, Jesus doesn't let those things drive him. Does he? In that moment, Jesus keeps to his purpose. Look at this, verse 38 through 39. And he says to them, Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Verse 39, he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Church, Jesus shows an admirable commitment to his purpose. The disciples show up. They need him. They bring him news of all those that need him and want him and, and are clamoring to him for whatever purpose. And we know this. Jesus loves them, right? Jesus loves this crowd. He loves the people. We're told numerous times in Scripture that Jesus had compassion on the crowds. They're sheep without a shepherd. And yet he knows that the miracles that he's doing with them are secondary to his purposes. 
So sometimes we, we clamor after miracles, we clamor after signs, and we clamor after wonders. And, and here's the deal. If you've ever experienced those, praise the Lord. But they're secondary. They're secondary to what Jesus came for. The miracles, they all wanted him to do. The healing, the casting out demons, these things were the signs of what he was saying. That these things were true, but we know they're not why he came. It tells us he came to preach the good news that the king had arrived and that the kingdom was here. Jesus keeps to his purpose in the midst of overwhelming need and want all around him. He doesn't let that stuff drive him because he keeps his eyes on the purpose for which he has been sent to them. And the question is, how does he do that? I mean, we can be a people who are so fickle. Right? We get a phone call, and that important thing we were doing over here, suddenly we've left it behind, and we're doing this, and needs and wants arise, and, and we're all over the place. But Jesus keeps his focus on his purpose. How? Well, I would contend that it's because he got up really early in the morning and went and spent time with his father. It's because he devoted time to hearing from God and having his calling reaffirmed to him over and over and over again. Jesus avoids being overwhelmed by the brokenness and the needs around him by sitting in the presence of his father. In church, we have the same invitation made to us. We are offered the same chance to sit with the Father and to sit with Jesus and sit in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That our focus and our purpose too might be renewed and reminded constantly. Church, there's a lot of reasons why we should be like Jesus in devoting time to prayer. I want to talk about a few of them. The first is simply this. Jesus did it, and we need it, right? Say this in your head. Any of you who never pray or who rarely pray or who don't devote any time to prayer, say this in your head. Jesus needed it, and I don't. I mean, how could we even begin to utter those words, right? The moment I say them, you know they're ridiculous, but that's the exact thing we do when we don't do what Jesus did. He says, hey, this was good for Jesus, but I could take it or leave it. Right? Jesus thrived off this, but man, I don't need it. I don't want it. Jesus did it. We need it. That's the first reason. The second reason is because the needs and demands on us are so great and the time is short. Let me say it again. The needs and demands on us are so great and the time is short short. Some of us have uttered these words, I don't have time to pray. I've got so much going on, I can't pray today. Or I can't sit and read and pray. I There's so much going on, I can't. Let me ask you, did you have more going on that day that you said that than Jesus had going on in these couple of days? I don't think so. Church, the reality is that our needs and demands on us are so great and time is short. That's why we need to pray. 
Spurgeon wrote this. He said, sometimes we think we're too busy to pray. That also is a great mistake, for praying is a saving of time. The great reformer Martin Luther wrote this, or is said to have said this. I have so much to do today that I shall never get through it with less than three hours prayer. We spend too much time thinking that the resources we have in this world are the only resources we have access to. But when we go to God in prayer, devoted time, he makes the most of our time and our energy. We can literally do more as Christians praying and spending hours a day praying than we can if we didn't. This is what Jesus knew. He knew that if he got up early in the morning, that he could do far more through the day than if he didn't. Because time is so short, because our energy reserves are so limited, and because there's so many demands on those things, we can't help but spend time with the Lord. We need Him. The reason for that, and this brings us to number three, is that prayer helps us find and keep our purpose. It helps us find and keep our purpose. The world is constantly demanding of us. The world is constantly asking of us more and more and more. And the question we have to answer every day is whether or not we're going to live for the world or whether or not we're going to live for God. Prayer keeps us focused on what is most important. In that time with the Father, in that time with the Lord, we spend, we hear from Him what our days should look like. I know a pastor who would regularly and every day spend time with the Lord in the morning and ask the Lord one simple question, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Now, sometimes the instructions that would come would be really clear, and sometimes it was a lot more vague. On one particular day, he felt that God was saying to reach out to a specific woman, one who hadn't been to church in a while and who really rarely attended. So he reached out to her. In the course of reaching out to her, found out that a common friend was in jail in a state five states away. Being burdened over the need that was arising in this trajectory that the Lord had sent him, he figured out that he could send a book through Amazon, which was allowed by the prison, and in doing so included a tiny note, as you can include in a gift on Amazon, It said, praying for you, love you man, pastor so-and-so, and included his cell phone number. Five days later, the pastor got a collect call from a correctional facility in that state. Answering it, and of course saying yes to the collect call, heard from his friend. Turns out that that Bible had arrived moments before he had planned to kill himself. And instead of killing himself, he chose to give his life to Jesus because he realized that he was loved and cared for and not forgotten about by God. 
Now, that doesn't happen every day, does it? But it happens enough that more of us should start our day saying, Lord, what do you want from me today? He knows all the pieces. He knows all the players. He knows every bit of everything that you're trying to shuffle through in your head today, and he knows what's most important. You don't have eyes to see the things that you can't see. You don't have ears to hear the things you can't hear. But he does. And so what the Lord can do as we turn to him is keep our focus where it's supposed to be. And the reality is sometimes we don't even know where that focus should be or could have been. And so in going to the Lord in devoted prayer and making that a regular part of our lives, he can lead us to focus on what's most important. Here's the fourth thing. Why do we pray? Why do we need to devote time to prayer? Because in prayer, we gain power. In prayer, we gain power. Look at verse 39. We see what Jesus does after all of this. It says, he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now, Jesus could already do that, right? We've seen him do that a few times. He's been preaching. He's been teaching. But in that focus that he gets from the Lord, and in his constant practice of turning to God and, and coming before him and praying, we see Jesus' ongoing work, right? How many synagogues did he preach in? We don't know. How many demons did he cast out? We don't know. But many, but many. And it continued, and he continued, and he continued in ministry. He continued keeping first things first. He continued where he needed to do. Why? Because he had the power to do so. He had the power to do so and the confidence to walk forward in that power. So church, why do we need, why do we need to turn to the Lord in prayer? Because we need that power too. We are called as a church, we are called as his people to minister to the nations. To share the gospel with our friends and with our coworkers, with our neighbors and with strangers on the street. We are called to make hard choices and hard decisions that say yes to God. We can't do it on our own. Jesus showed in the course of his life, almost every time you read about something amazing happens in the Gospels, you read about Jesus going off by himself and praying either before or after that moment. If he needed it, then so do we. If he needed it, so do we. So how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we become people who devote time and energy and our lives to prayer, number one, really simple. Pray and ask the Lord to increase your prayer life. I love this one. I joke about it. I say it all the time. The best thing about this is that the moment you've done it, you've already increased your prayer life. You've already answered your own prayer. And you can pray this prayer a lot. You can pray it right now as you're sitting in the seat and you're saying, wow, Pastor Matt told me to pray that I should increase my prayer life. I'm going to do that right now. You can do that while we take the Lord's Supper. You can do that on your drive home tonight. You can do that while you're sitting in your bed tonight. You can do it first thing in the morning. You can do it if you drive to work tomorrow. This is a prayer that we can pray really fast and really easy. And every time we pray it, we are answering our own prayer. Pray that the Lord would increase your prayer life. Number two, like Jesus, seek it out. Like Jesus, seek it out. Jesus went to a desolate, deserted, lonely place. He went to a place where the crowds 
weren't. He went to a place where his disciples weren't, right? He went to a place without a lot of noise. This is hard for some of us. Families, this is hard. Right? If you've got kids around, this is hard. I, I can't even beat my kids up in the morning. Eli, the other day I come out at 3 in the morning, he's watching TV. I sent him back to bed. But friends, this is hard to do. It's, it takes devotion. It takes commitment. You, you put your kids on the bus for school and you go and do this. You set your kids down doing their, their schoolwork and you go and do this, right? You get up early. You stay up late. We need to choose a place that is desolate, deserted, and solitary so that we can spend time with the Lord. Here's another thing Spurgeon said. He said this, If we have no time, we must make time. For if God has given us the time for secondary duties, he must have given us time for primary ones. And to draw near to him is a primary duty, and we must let nothing set it on one side. Think about all the things you do in life that you're supposed to do, you're called to do as a Christian person. A Christian, as a Christian spouse or a Christian parent or just a Christian church member, just who you are. There's all kinds of things you're called to do and to be. God has given you all the time you need to do those things. He's also given you all the time you need to spend the time that you need to spend with him in prayer. For some of us, man, and this is a bit embarrassing, we say, I don't have time for this. But then we fiddle on our phones for at least 45 minutes a day. Right? We say, I don't have time for this, but we do other things that we didn't need to do. So church, we need to be a people. This is the second way we do it. We, we devote the time to it. We seek it out. And here's the third way we do this. And this, I think, is actually the most important of these three ways. How do we do this? We live the kind of lives that need prayer. We live the kind of lives that need prayer. Here's what I mean. When I'm on a mission trip, or when I know I have a gospel conversation coming on any given day with someone, or I know that we've got a heavy church conversation that needs to happen, or we know there's a heavy ministry thing, you know what I do? I'm far more likely to spend my morning in prayer. Right? Do we expect that today God could bring us into contact with someone who needs to hear the gospel? and that we need to be ready to speak it? Do we suspect, do we expect God to work in such a way out of our lives that any person we meet, we might need to be called to minister in a hard and difficult situation? Do we expect that God could be preparing us for whatever hardship, whatever overwhelming thing is coming today, and that if we were to go to him, we would be ready when it happens? Do we live lives that need prayer? Or do we live lives that we kind of get by day by day without it because we're really not doing anything? Most of our friends, most of our neighbors do not spend devoted time in prayer. And most of our friends and most of our neighbors aren't Christians. They're living the lives that everybody else is living. And if you're living the same life, then you're not living a life that requires prayer to make it through the day, that requires prayer to make it through the week that requires prayer to make it through the year? Are we living lives, church, that need prayer? Or are we living lives just like everybody else can get by without it? 
How do we do this? We ask him to increase our prayer life. We set the time aside and we live lives that if we don't pray, we're going to fall. We're going to fail. We're going we're gonna to hurt. Finally, the last thing that I want to say in this is that some of us need to be reminded that the gospel is not only accepting salvation the first time. It's accepting God's help every single day. Right? We turn to God in salvation. We love him. We trust him to save us. But he calls us to rely on him every single day. That's the gospel. And so are we constantly turning to him? And what I know is that some of us in this room aren't. And the reason why some of us in this room aren't is because we've never actually trusted Jesus for salvation. We've never actually given him the, the reins of our life. We've never actually asked him to save us and to rescue us. And so I got to tell you, you're not going to devote your life to him in prayer. You're not going to turn to him in this. You're not going to need him if you haven't needed him for salvation. So if that's you today and you need to give your life to Jesus, I'm here to speak, to talk with you about that after church or even during church at somewhere during the Lord's Supper or something. I'd love to pray with you. Or there's someone else here who loves Jesus and you may know them better, talk to them. They can tell you about what it means to give your life to him. And if they can't, they'll come ask for help. Church, we need to be a people who trust the Lord in prayer, that, that devote ourselves to that because we need him, because we need him. Amen? God, we thank you and we praise you for this word. We thank you for the encouragement we get, God. No matter how overwhelmed Jesus was, he kept turning to the Father. And Lord, that is something we can do too. I pray, God, that you would strengthen us in this. I pray, Lord, the prayer I've asked all of us to pray if we find ourselves weak in this, Lord, making us those who love prayer, desire prayer, who want more prayer, who, who devote ourselves to it. God, I thank you for what you've done and how you're doing it here. I pray, God, that we would seek you and seek you first every day. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.